0: Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to welcome Beth Davis, Uh President of Dakota Resources, how are you doing, Beth? Just
1: fine, Ken. Thank
0: you. Fantastic. You were just saying uh, there before we went on air. There's a bit of a dust storm up there. There
1: is. It's it's a dirty thirties kind of moment. It's kind of kind of frightening. We've been in drought and then got good rain and thought it had settled, but not enough.
0: And but not enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, one
1: of the things they say about Midwesterners, Ken, is we talk about the weather and we really mean it. It's not idle chatter. It's
0: <laughs> some serious weather. It's some serious
1: weather, and there's consequences to what's going on out there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, as, uh, here in Florida, as I was driving uh, yesterday to a, a podcast meeting, um, it started hailing. Uh-huh. aha. <laughs> I go, wow, hell, oh, great. Yeah,
1: in Florida. Mm-hmm. Climate change, what is that they're talking
0: Mm-hmm. There's something going on. Yeah. Um, well, Beth, uh, I know you've got all kinds of things that have happened to you in your life, and you've started businesses and uh, and, and failed, and I think we've all done that, mm-hmm. but... When did you first uh, get the entrepreneurial bug? I'm just curious. Uh, When did it all happen to you? Were you the one with the uh, lemonade stand at five? No, I
1: sold mulberries by the pint.
0: Oh, (laughs) all right.
1: Yeah, we climbed. A friend and I would shake mulberries out of a tree and put them in pint containers and go around the neighborhood selling mulberries.
0: Wow, so you 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 got that spirit early. Uh when was your your what was your next uh, business venture after that? Well, what, um, what age did you
1: In the 70s um I bought used denim from a rag dealer on Canal Street and mm-hmm. brought it back to South Dakota and then hired piece workers to cut patterns for and sew wrap around skirts and sold the the good jeans as-used jeans before they were, you know, putting Levi's in wash tubs with bleach and rocks to make them look used.
0: Um, so that was my... You were you were ahead of the curve. That's
1: exactly right. That's right. We were selling used denim before um, the look, as the look was just starting to take on, only ours were really used denim. So that was my first major um, exploration of business.
0: And uh, what, what uh, got you out of that, or what did you go on to next?
1: Well, um, I had a baby, and um, and we were selling in small boutiques around the region and then got a actually a contract from J.C. Penney's and could not find the financing to do the expansion that was necessary to go into production, and that was pretty discouraging. What next? Oh my gosh! Um, well, I was an Avon lady for a while. That's a little entrepreneurial.
0: That's for sure.
1: <laughs> Me and my daughter in our wagon, you know,
0: trucking up. A- so you you went knocking door to door with it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's- yeah, it's a small town in rural South Dakota, and then I I've, oh I've started a counseling practice and I started a production company doing um, production of radio and television. And print advertising, but not doing the placement because in this market, placement is kind of a no-brainer. But, um, I, again, ahead of the curve in that people just didn't get the concept that they would pay for production. So they either settle for the, the, who oh, I better be careful, um, settle for the level of production that the radio, television and newspapers could turn out of their production studios um or
0: they, so you didn't have to make it higher quality right. than they could handle.
1: Right. Well, and I could do, you know, I was doing higher quality, um but they they couldn't get the concept of just paying for production without placement and I just really didn't want to get into the placement game and that was my own ignorance really because had, had I understood that placement was where the money was, I mm-hmm. probably would have just gone there, but it was it was an experiment and I learned a lot.
0: Can someone do that production today, do you think, or has it got uh, better or worse with the technology and everything? Well, I
1: think that there are, you know, there are ad agencies that are primarily production houses. They're not marketing agencies. Um, and, And typically what happens on the production side, rather than there being production houses, is it's freelancers that are working for advertising agencies.
0: So, all right, so there is freelance opportunity out there in the production of uh, radio and, and TV right now. I
1: think so. Oh, yeah, sure. There are a lot of people doing
0: that. All right. Uh, if someone wanted to get in, uh, we'll go further down, but just uh, out of curiosity, if someone wanted to get into the production end right now, uh, and and you were going to do it how with all your knowledge now, how would you approach it? Um, I wouldn't. You no, because I
1: can't do anything. Well, that's not true. Um, um, I can, I, I, like, I I don't I I don't know how to operate a quality video camera to do the technical side of video production. And I, but I can I can do the copywriting. I can do the creative side of it. But i still have to hire somebody to do the video. And likewise, radio. I can write good radio um, or conceive of good newspaper, but uh, but I but I don't have the the skills to do the production. So I it's not um, it's not something that I would pursue. The people that have the skills to do the production just need to introduce themselves and align themselves with advertising agencies and let them know they're out there because the at Advertising business is an ebb and flow kind of business. Mm-hmm. And when there's flow, there's usually flow that exceeds the capacity, the full-time employees that are in-house. And um, so there's
0: opportunity. For freelancers. Uh, okay, well, let's just go with the copywriting. Uh, that's what you feel you quite comfortable doing. If you were to start up a copywriting company today, how would you go about it?
1: I would be visiting... With um, with the ad agencies, with nonprofits,
0: um, okay,
1: because often nonprofits don't have in-house staff to do the writing for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, good, good. So those would be you know two places that I'd start.
0: So uh, ad agencies and go directly to the nonprofits and uh, do it for free or something oh, no, or no, do no, it no. for a low amount. No. Oh, no, you're not working for free. Okay, good.
1: (laughs) You know, maybe you offer your service for free a time or two with the understanding that you just want to get to know them, but your intention is to offer a service to them.
0: Okay, great. So make it clear up front you're willing to do the first day or week or whatever of help, but if they like your work and you like them, then you're going to proceed on the pay, uh, you know, with some kind of payment.
1: Yeah, with a contract of some kind would be the long term goal.
0: Right. Uh, would you create a website to, uh, again, let's say you, let's say you had to, you, you had no money right now or very little. Cause a lot God, of people I remember listening. those days, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have uh, to really you,
1: you, remember? You, you, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just to reminisce a little sure. bit. Um, so that so you you got to make this copywriting thing work because you got family or whatever you got bills or whatever uh so how are you going to approach it you're going to you're going to create a you're going to go knock on some doors i can see that because you're not afraid to you did it at avon and other places but uh, are you going to create a website immediately or are you going to write a book or what are you going to do to to just say hey i need to get this going now Let's
1: start with a facebook page that would that, yeah that would refer to a website that could have that would carry examples of the work
0: all right okay so you would set up the facebook not a not a personal facebook page no. but a
1: right a, a business facebook page
0: a business okay yep. cuz then you can have unlimited uh people on that where where are personal you can't i think not that I know that much about it but you either. There's some restriction there for personal pages, I think. Okay, so then you refer to your website. Uh, would you uh, again? Now you don't have a lot of money. You might have a couple thousand bucks to do this. Are you going to just go out and create your own website yourself, or you know get one of these things that are free freebie websites? Or you're going to say, hey, I got a couple thousand, but I'm got to make sure this website is work is really good, so I'm going to put five hundred of my th- two thousand towards that. Or, or what would you do? How would you how would you use that two thousand to you know, to double it and triple it?
1: That's a good question. I would invest in a quality website.
0: You're right. So that would be uh, important. Okay. And then would you do Facebook advertising? Or what, where, where um, would you go? I,
1: um, I, You know, I don't know that much about Facebook advertising. I might. I think mean, the first thing I do, Ken, is research. Um, really, let's back it up. And do the market research and find out where the need for copywriters exists and um, who's currently in the market.
0: Who's your competitors, okay.
1: Right, and um, where the gaps might be in the market, where the opportunities are, and then where the people who hold those opportunities most hang out. Are they LinkedIn people? Are they Facebook people? Um
0: Twitter or whatever. Right.
1: Where what's the what's the channel that they're hanging out on? And that's where I would invest the majority of my resources is connecting to networks that connect with the channels that connect with the opportunities.
0: Okay. Would your guess be probably LinkedIn for this?
1: Might be, yeah.
0: Right. Uh, More than Facebook because of the, you know, the professional level that LinkedIn is dealing more with businesses where Facebook, I know Facebook has commercial side too, but people think of it maybe more as a personal uh, place rather than a business place like LinkedIn. Yeah. And you know, the
1: the truth is I'm a 62 year old woman that would need to do research about this whole social media thing because I know it's where people live Mm -hmm. and, um, and currently I have someone who manages my online channels for me. So I'm not not a wizard at this point by any means on the whole social media choosing channels and doing that. Someone does that on behalf of me and the organization on the professional side.
0: But the good part is is you have the knowledge of the whole package. So uh with maybe you can't do the production part, but you know good pictures from bad ones. Right. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I've been, yeah.
0: And you would know good copywriting from bad copywriting if you had someone help you, and you would know uh, if social media, media is working. I mean, you could try someone, but if you would know if the results, you would know what level of results you should probably be getting, and if you're not getting them, you probably have the wrong person. So you have the knowledge to put, the group together i guess is what i'm getting right. at to to make a a company like this work
1: well and i and i think that's a really good point ken is that um i know what i know and i know what i don't know mm-hmm. and the things that i don't know or don't know how to do i have always found other people that have those skills and talents and so leveraging my network um, whether that's to do the work of the nonprofit that I currently serve. Oh, sorry. We'll just let that ring and get answered. You'll be able to edit it out, won't you?
0: Yeah, I should be able to get Okay,
1: that. they got it. Um,
0: All right. Okay, leveraging uh, of, uh, your talents.
1: Right, leveraging the, the gifts and talents and passions of others, I think is an, a really important Quality For any entrepreneur, I, you know, one of the things I run this entrepreneur development program and we work with second stage entrepreneurs um, and ego, you know, people, entrepreneurs typically have pretty good sized egos. And and I think that it's really
0: (laughs) that might be the weakness sometime.
1: Exactly. And so really knowing themselves and knowing what they're good at. And then risking, you know, paying other people to do the things they're not good at. And sometimes that means letting go of control of the checkbook even, you know, if you're not good at managing the money, but you're really, really good at providing the product and service, then provide the product and service and let somebody else manage the checkbook or, you know, um, do the things you're good at. And. And leverage the skills and talents and passions of others, then, you know, there's that, um, the picture of the the monkey with his, you know, fist in the jar and Mm -hmm. fist holding on and he can't get his fist out of the jar and accomplish anything. And it's not until he lets go that he can get his fist out. And I think that letting go of control is probably one of the scariest things to entrepreneurs, but one of the most necessary if you're really going to grow and expand a business.
0: And maybe another approach too would be partnering partnering with people rather than making their employees, but oh yeah yeah. Let them be a partner, and then you don't have the outlay.
1: Absolutely, no, it, exactly. Um, you know, finding other entrepreneurs who are who are also passionate about what they do, and you, you know, put put a couple of entrepreneurs together, and I mean, you've got lightning and thunder and new worlds being created.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I mean, even if you think of Walt Disney, he was the creative guy, but his brother was the money and the brain, you know, yes. the brain money behind him. So yep. without him, he wouldn't have been where he was. That's right. So you need that partnering. Okay, well, let, let's, uh, let's go on to when you've got into what you're doing now. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, well, I've been very blessed to be with this organization for 16 years now, 17, 18. I don't know a while. And the, a and time. before I yeah, before I came here, I'd never done anything longer than three years in my life. Whether it was an entrepreneurial endeavor or a job, three years was my max. If I lasted that long. And the thing that's been really a blessing to me in this organization is that I've had the opportunity and the support and the resources to do social entrepreneurship. We serve a very, very rural state and a place of just the whole state just crossed 800,000 in population.
0: And ha- half of those are there just to work in the oil industry.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> North Dakota.
0: Okay. Just, oh, you don't wrong. have any oil going on there. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Although, although that oil phenomenon is
0: heading your way. It is.
1: It is seeping down, if you will, into northwest South Dakota. Uh, but most, the majority of the folks live. It, we're kind of like the country, either on the east or the west coast. The I ninety cor- or I twenty nine corridor runs north and south through eastern South Dakota, and it's where Sioux Falls is, which is you know, the major metropolis of 160, 180,000 or so, and then the Black Hills on the west side with Rapid City and Mount Rushmore and beautiful tourist attractions and lovely amenities. And then in the middle, you've got a lot of ranch and a lot of farming, a lot of of agriculture. And, you know, of all the communities in South Dakota, there are only 11 that are over 5,000 people. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where we work. We work in the, in rural communities because those rural places are important to the social and cultural and economic well-being of this region and this place. And, um, resources are more scarce in, in those communities, and yet there are great things that get accomplished and great things can happen there. And so we've created financial products that help bring capital to those places. Um, We've got the Entrepreneur Development Program that helps create an infrastructure in those local communities and a network across South Dakota that supports entrepreneurial development and then we're also working on housing cuz there's just a crisis in rural housing development we stopped building houses here in the 70s and so wow. yeah there's and so you know it's that interdependence between housing development you know community development and economic development and really recognizing that if people can't find a place to live it's really hard to recruit workers to a place um
0: there's not too many deserted houses around there, does it doesn't sound like. Well, you know. But there, they, they use every everything that there is. There
1: are dilapidated houses
0: mm-hmm. and
1: because what happens um, is, um, you know, mom and dad or grandma and grandpa might have left you the house, but you don't live there anymore. And mm-hmm. so you've got this house sitting out there and um, –
0: yeah, it soon's. It's, my grandfather's house was like that. It, it, once it sat there for two or three years, yes. uh, animals took over and the whole thing collapsed. Exactly. And it doesn't take long. And anymore. then
1: in in these rural communities that are so tightly knit, there may be you know ordinances on the books about cleaning up those properties, but they often don't get enforced. Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the things. Part of the magic in what we do in these communities, and it sounds so simple, um, and it's simple but it's not necessarily easy, is that we bring people together to have conversations about these things and to really help them understand the dynamic that's going on in the community. And people want their communities to thrive and to flourish, and so it energizes the, the residents in the community to take responsibility for making changes and incredible things are happening in the places we work.
0: So this application you're doing, we could do right here in Florida rural areas. You bet. Get people together to talk, to, to say, hey, here's, here's where our problems are. Here's where our solutions are. Yeah.
1: And, and then create a structure that empowers them to do things because You know, well, that's the city's job, or that's the development corporation's job, or that's the chamber of commerce's job. Um, We all have these mindsets about who's responsible for what. And what's beautiful about what happens out of our process is that citizen initiative teams emerge, and it's the citizens taking responsibility for the issue. And then... The organizations and agencies and funders um, can come together around that citizen-led initiative without the the parochialism and the, the barriers to involvement because, oh, that's not my job or, you know, we're overwhelmed. We can't take on that initiative. You don't have to take on the initiative. You just need to support the initiative that has emerged out of the citizens of your community.
0: But someone has to fund it, and what I guess what you 're saying is if you get enough the uh, citizens in a group that are all of one mindset, you can find the investors to do it. Are we talking government investors or private investors or, or mo- what would it mostly be of that you you end up with That would be a with.
1: yes' because one of the one of the beautiful things that happens is that you the citizen initiative creates an opportunity to leverage private, public, and nonprofit resources into the projects that emerge from those initiatives. The other thing about that, Ken, is that one of our mantras is slow down and get done early. You know, there, okay. there are a lot of really good-intentioned organizations and initiatives that just want to do something. You know, I just want. They just want to turn dirt. They just want to, mm-hmm. you know, fix homelessness. They just want to do something.
0: So they move homeless from one spot to the exactly. next to the next, and but happens, nothing happens.
1: Yeah, they create unintended consequences, mm-hmm. and and they're treating symptoms. They're not treating cause. Yeah. And so one of the one of the really important things that we do, as we coach a community and the community initiative teams is slow them down to really understand what the facts are, not what they think the facts are, but also to explore the beliefs and behaviors that continue to create that outcome. Because the truth is, any system, whether it's a social system or a business system, creates exactly the outcome that it's creating. It's designed to do that. And so you have to dig deeper in and really look at the system that's creating the current outcomes in order to figure out how to invest resources, not to address the, the symptom, but to shift the system. And what happens is a much wiser investment of resources in projects and programs and, that, that result in long-term outcomes.
0: It's fantastic.
1: It is. It's fantastic work. I really feel blessed to be able to be involved in it.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that is good. Um, now, let's. There's two kind of groups that uh, that are listening to this podcast, and one would be they have uh, they need they need to create, you know, uh, some money out of what they're doing, and they could maybe help out and volunteer and try to get something started like what you're doing, but eventually they need to make a bit of money, and they don't have to make a fortune, but, you know, they need to make 20000 a year or something. Uh, can, if they got behind these kind of projects locally in whatever state they're in, is it realistic to say, hey, if you get 100 people together two, 300 people together behind projects, you're going to create a position for yourself eventually.
1: Well, I don't think that you could um, – in the kind of work we're doing, I don't think that uh, – let, let me say what it, opportunities emerge. I, I think that having been a person, um, a low-income person in my life, one of the things that happens is that you get isolated and um, kind of locked in your own world. And that's locked in your own world socially because you don't have the confidence to be out in the world because you think you need to have money to be out in the world. Mm -hmm. But also locked in your own mindset, your own, your own scarcity mindset. And there are two things that we know move people out of, out of poverty or out of a place of scarcity. And one is relationships. And so I one of the things that that I would encourage people to do is even if you're an introvert, <laughs> go talk to people, tell people your idea, tell people what you're working on. You know, there's also that fear of, well, if I talk about what I, the idea I'm thinking about, it's just going to get stolen and somebody else is going to do it. Um, it's a risk that you, you almost have to take because. Um, we call it growing luck in Dakota Rising. And it's about what happens when you, when you risk sharing your dream or sharing your idea. And often it may not be the person that you're talking to that can help you, but it's somebody that the person you're talking to knows that can mm-hmm. help provide the fuel and the energy to help your dream come true. And so, yeah,
0: that
1: mm-hmm. I'm an introvert. Um, Give me a stage and I'm fine. But, you know, a cocktail party, I used to be the one that was standing over on the edge pretending that I was talking on my cell phone. (laughs) I mean, honestly, this is true. And and what I learned and what I taught myself and made myself do is go find other people in the room. And and often I find somebody else who was standing there by themselves and just walk up and ask a question. Questions are so powerful. And people like talking about themselves and, and just showing interest in another person and asking questions. And soon they'll be asking questions of you. And that creates conversation and dialogue. And risking sharing your dream creates opportunity for connection to luck. Because cause luck can be manifested by intention. So that's one, is Build relationships, talk to people. The second is assets. And, and I, and that's investing in savings, no matter how tight it is, squeaking something away. It's investing in education, because an education is an asset. And that doesn't have to be formal education, it may be learning. Maybe you go offer yourself up as an apprentice in a in a business that's comparable to the one that you want to create or a business that somehow is in alignment with your entrepreneurial dream and offer yourself up to do work, even if it's menial work, even if it's low-paying work in that industry to learn about the industry. Um, so get an education and understand that education is always expensive. You're paying somehow. You know, you're paying in time, you're paying Mm -hmm. in money, somehow. I mean, education is always expensive. You're paying in making mistakes, And, and the greatest teacher may be the greatest mistake that you made, and that may be what propels you the furthest in launching or growing a business faster than you thought you would. So remember that education is always expensive and invest in that education. Take risks.
0: And and no education costs you even more. Oh my
1: gosh, yes. Well, doing nothing is a decision. You know, doing nothing is a, is a choice that you make, and it's really easy to to procrastinate and wait until you think the conditions are right. You know, do something every day. Do something that moves you toward that vision just keep taking small steps in the right direction and if you're truly committed to it the universe eventually aligns with you it just does and it may not happen in in the time frame that you think it, it should and it may not even happen in the way that you think it
0: should mm-hmm. but it if, may happen in a better way
1: exactly if you're clear about what your purpose is and you have clarity of vision and you're willing to be open to how that vision is realized and your purpose is manifested, then as long as you're putting energy every day toward that vision and purpose, eventually the alignment will happen, and you're talking to people and you're learning.
0: So the connections, I, I see the connections is very important. So the baby boomers have to get out there, make connections, and through those connections they will see an opportunity that maybe they didn't do if they didn't make those moves they would never reach the opportunities. And and then now they have a chance to make money out of apparently almost nothing except the connections. The connections cause the opportunity to, to to reveal itself, I guess you could say.
1: Absolutely. And again, it may not be that that first circle of connections that you make, but it may be people connected to—I mean—to that circle. It, we live in a world of networks. We don't live in a world of hierarchies anymore. You know, it used to be climbing the ladder. You know, and and you just kept working your way up. And in this day and age, we've got to work our way around. We got to get around.
0: <laughs> um, are you familiar with the BNI uh, network?
1: BNI.
0: BNI, uh, it's a business network. Uh, they've got like I don't know three hundred and fifty thousand people a part of his part of their organization, and they 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 create groups. Like they'll have a group of up to maybe fifty people. There'll be one doctor, lawyer, one accountant, one insurance, n- not more than one in a field, and then they help each other. Cool. And uh, I was just speaking to to Ivan uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, he's the president of BNI. They did. $3 billion of business last year through their connections.
1: Well, cool. yeah, I've just looked it up. Looks like a very interesting, interesting group. Yeah.
0: So he's he's into connections. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Though he's just stepped down from running the daily. The day I uh, interviewed him a few days ago, he just stepped down from being in charge of everything so that he can do some other. Um uh, things oh. and of course he's still part of the organization, but uh he's uh, he's stopped stepped down i guess from the c e o position i guess is what it was that's fabulous but uh I, I'm looking forward to see what he's going to be up to, but it'll certainly have to do with connecting with people <laughs> that's that's what he's done all his life yeah. 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 and there you've got some brilliant people there, I know that in the country, you know, I think of my grandfather uh, up that way when he they had augers, you know, when you put the grain in and you auger the grain up into a granary yep. or into a truck or whatever you're doing. Yep. Um, he figured out the, the way the augers were made were back were backwards, and the always the pulleys always came off. Uh-huh. So he figured out he sent in his request or his idea. Now he didn't get any money for it, <laughs> but uh, within a year or two, everyone did it his his yeah. way. Yes, they they realize wow this guy figured it out so, I mean those are, those people that are farmers or whatever out there in the rural areas they think they don't know anything know a lot more than they realize.
1: Well, you may may not know Ken that you know the, the monstrous digital display boards that are in all of the well most of the the professional um, football stadiums and oh yeah they come from Dactronics which is here in Sioux Falls South Dakota and was started. By a um, electrical engineering professor at South Dakota State University to create jobs to keep young people in the state and in the Brookings area, and um, you know now they're international and creating all of these amazing, amazing um, billboards <laughs> or and display boards across the country. It's just
0: So it comes, I mean, these ideas can come out of anywhere. And so just because you're from a little town or a no-name place, you think, has really nothing to do with is what you're saying. That's
1: exactly right. It has nothing to do with where you're from. It has to do with how big your vision is.
0: (laughs) Is where you're going. Exactly
1: right. (laughs) That is good. good. You can only only go as far as you can see in your mind's eye. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if people want to get a hold of you, and uh, you know, take a closer look. Where would they do that? I'm going to put some show notes so they can go there too. But uh, just give me some idea of uh, verbally that your website or, oh, okay. or email or whatever. Yeah, it's
1: Beth B E T H at Dakota Resources with an S dot org, and then the website is um, www.DakotaResources.org. dot org, and then I, I would point people to the Dakota Rising program which is in our our entrepreneur development program and and to your point Ken we've got second stage entrepreneurs and you look at the list and you might think what a quilt shop on main street Fulton, south dakota is a second stage entrepreneurial um business really well yes really because that little quilt shop on main street folkton does thirty percent of its revenue from outside of the region, and I bet it's greater than that because, well, those quilters are a cult. That's part of it. But,
0: mm-hmm. um, but they are, yeah, I know.
1: But you know, they're doing
0: everywhere here in Florida. Everywhere. Yeah,
1: but she sells. She sells on the internet. She does a lot of internet sales. She's got people coming from all over the region to take classes. Um, so, so you don't have to be a big manufacturer. To make a big impact on your local economy and on your on your own livelihood, um, you know. And and the other thing um, is because one of the things that comes up about rural is something called the tall poppy syndrome. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: No, I don't know.
1: It, it's that it's the wanting to keep your neighbor down because you know you don't want anybody to get to make more money than you do or have more success than you do. And so.
0: That's, that's too bad. That oh, but it
1: happens. Um,
0: sure. You know, I
1: remember a woman saying to me once, well, you know, the grocer gets a new pickup every three years. Do we owe that grocer a new pickup? And my response was, you darn right you do. Because if he's not making enough money to buy a new pickup, you're not going to have bread and eggs and meat and produce in your community. And and in fact, the, the grocer, um, was not able to stay in business in that small rural community because people weren't shopping locally. They were going, you know, going to the regional trade centers to shop mm-hmm. because they certainly didn't want, you know, that person to have a new pickup every three years. And I, and I think we need to get past that and really understand that, you know, if my candlelight is shining bright, It doesn't diminish from the light of your candle that if I'm having a successful business and and I'm making money, that's good for the community. And it means more people in the community and it means more jobs for your kids in the community and that we all we all benefit when
0: a business Uh, is doing well. You want to get out of that gravity pull, that uh, black hole.
1: Well, yeah, and the other thing, if I may just touch again on rural, is that so often we think that economic development is attracting a new business into the community. And so our shared resources go into, you know, giving away a spec building or giving a break on utilities and doing all of these things to bring a new business to town. But often what happens is, when the incentives run out, so do the businesses, and that by supporting our local businesses and making resources available and training opportunities available in the community and holding up these businesses as champions of our community, those those businesses may be adding one or two jobs a year, but you aggregate them, and, and it's a significant impact on a small rural community's economy, and we often overlook that. At, as rural communities and just want the, you know, we want the headline. We want the magic manufacturer coming to town, hiring 50 people, looking to hire 300 people over the next five years and building a daycare in the back. And, and that's just not what's
0: happening. So you saying what you're saying is, is that we're moving away from that uh, big box store kind of thing to back to uh, a the, the old way the business was done, is that what you think? Well, I
1: think it's not even the old way. I think it's the way business has always been done. Small businesses okay. have always been the major economic development drivers in this country.
0: That's true. Small business, yeah, two, two three-man stores uh, probably employ uh, 50% of the people. I don't know how many, but probably a bunch. Yeah,
1: and, and I should have that statistic. I don't have it in front of me, but it's really stunning when you look at it. Um, and, and yet we continue to to want big. We want big and fast. And really, it, it's small and and steady that um, wins the race.
0: Wins the race. Yeah, I'm
1: sorry. I mean, oh my God, let's throw out a cliche, yeah. but it's, yeah. you know those cliches are grounded.
0: Oh, but it's true. I mean, yeah. Hey, uh, some cliches are right on. I mean, they they, they couldn't be described better. Right. Uh, what would you? What would be your last few minutes, parting words to these baby boomers, 50, 60 years old, and they they need some extra money, uh, uh, a lot of them. Now some of them are need to do some volunteer work. They got all the money, they've made all their money now. Now they need to make a difference, you know. And so that's that, that's part of the group too. But what would you have to say to, to, to these folks?
1: Um, follow your passion, and you still got a lot of juice. And and find you really connect to what makes you happy and find a way to do that. And if you need to do it for money, then and you've got the guts and the and to to create another business or create a business, go for it. And if not, then go find somebody who'll pay you to do what you love. But life's too short to waste time and energy worrying and lamenting about what you don't have. Um, create it, and create it out of your own passion. Get up off your butt and go do something.
0: Go do something. And just just to narrow it down a bit, how should they go about figuring out their passion? I know it's a pretty general question, but what would you... What would you say they need to do? He's 60 years old. He's been in the accountant all his life. He's not really too hot on numbers anymore. And he, he loves baseball or loves a couple of things. Uh, and he needs to make some money. Yeah. But
1: well, there he loves baseball. So let's follow that. So maybe there's, um, there's a, a little league team that is hiring coaches or there's a stadium that is hiring people to do concessions mm-hmm. um you know how can you take that or maybe there's a baseball card collection in the basement that's worth 2 million dollars and you just have not nice. dug it out and put it out there I, I i was asked a question recently about spending the day I want to frame it correctly because it was really powerful. It was spending the day paying attention to what gives me pleasure. What brings me pleasure? And so pay attention to that. What, you know, what, what gives you pleasure and what Mm -hmm. what makes you happy? And then find a way, find a way to do it, even if. Even if that doesn't turn into a money-making endeavor or opportunity, if you're doing what you love, even a little bit of the day, your spirit is lifted and your energy is more positive and when you're talking to people, that energy comes through because you've taken care of that, that place that needs joy and you become more of a magnet then to opportunities. You grow your luck if you're spending something. I oh, like
0: that, grow your luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, grow your luck and doing the, doing something every day that makes you happy, no matter how simple it might be. Feed your soul.
0: I love what you're saying there because I'm thinking of Edison and this one man who wanted to be near him and around the inventor, but he had no talents. and So he went and he ended up being Edison's uh, uh, caretaker mm. and just looking after things, and but he was always around Edison. And many years later, he was the biggest investor of all Edison's inventions. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so he started out small, but it turned out pretty good. Yes,
1: exactly, exactly. Grow your luck,
0: but get around the the things you love. Like you say, if you love baseball, get around it.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: You don't have to be throwing the ball. No. (laughs) But get near it. Go watch
1: some go watch some little league games. Go sit in the bleachers and watch some games. Just yeah. Feed your soul. (laughs) That's
0: great. That's good. Well thank you. This has been Great Beth, and I appreciate you taking this time and I'm sure a lot of this will, will help feed a lot of people's souls and, and help them to say, uh, it's not over. I, I you know it's funny how people think, Well I'm sixty five now and every now I'm dumb.
1: <laughs> so 10. I'm s i sixty two. I plan to to shepherd this organization for another three years and mm-hmm. I'm planning my encore.
0: Nice. Because
1: there will be an encore performance.
0: And, and
1: it's not, um, I don't, I'm beginning to see what it looks like. Um, and, and it's not in the nonprofit sector. I'll probably make more money in my encore than I made here. And I'm doing really well here. But, mm-hmm. um, if, if, if it, it's an encore, you know, get up and sing another song.
0: That's good. <laughs> it's not over till the whatever sings. As long
1: right. as you're on this side of the grass, you know,
0: Make a contribution. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, I absolutely, 100% with you there. <laughs> uh, you still got this day. That's right. And you can do something today. You know, it might not be big. As the fellow walking along the beach and seeing, I think, all the starfish, yes. and he was gra- yes. throwing them in the water, and there's thousands of them, and his friends said, oh, well, you, you can't do anything. You can't help all these starfish. Help you can't make a difference. Mm-hmm. But then he said, And then he picked up another one and said, yeah, but I can make a difference in this one. Yes,
1: that's exactly right. I made a difference to that one. That's right. (laughs) But we can make a
0: difference today. That's right. Yesterday we already missed. too bad. Don't worry about it. Yep. Regrets the killer. So we have to get past past that. Well, thanks again, Beth. It's been my uh, pleasure,
1: Ken. Thank you for the opportunity to chat with you.
0: I look forward to interviewing you further down the road and see you closer to your new vision and what's going to be happening there. Oh, I'd love
1: to talk about my encore on another day.
0: All right. Fantastic.
1: Thanks, Ken.
0: Thanks again. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.